0: Hello, hello, this is Reality of Reality, and I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. So before I introduce today's guests, I just wanted to say a few things. First of all, for those of you who have been listening, I really appreciate the support and I'm so glad you're enjoying it. Um, I would love for you to follow me on Twitter at Reality of Real and I'm on Facebook at Reality of Reality with Aliza Rosen. And I will get better about posting, but I would love you to spread the word as well to people inside and outside the industry I noticed that there are a bunch, I don't know, it seems like a good swath of people that are listening who are not actually in the industry. And and that makes me happy. You don't have to be in the industry to enjoy the podcast, at least I hope not. Okay, so now on to today's guests. I am so excited. First of all, I've been wanting to have a showrunner on the podcast for a while now. And I have double my pleasure with Sarah Quick and Aaliyah Silverstein. They are both showrunners They're obviously both women, which has also been important to me to have more women on the podcast, as I realized the scales are a little bit tilted. They are both very seasoned. Um, they didn't know each other before we recorded today, so we did sort of almost an on-air meeting, which was cool, um, although we have been communicating before. They both have really interesting insights on what it means to be a showrunner, the challenges involved in being a showrunner, and even some unique challenges to a female showrunner uh, that may not be Relevant to our male counterparts. So I hope you enjoy my chat with Sarah and Aaliyah. I'm so happy to have you here. I have been wanting to get on a showrunner for a while. I got two showrunners and I got two (laughs) female showrunners. Yeah. So it's like I hit all of the boxes. And I feel like I was thinking about this this morning when I was getting ready and I thought, you know, I don't know if it's the election and I never use the term politics aside because it's always politics for me. So I never put politics aside. So I will say politics. Um, I felt so much more of an impetus to, you know, champion women, to be more involved with women, with the Women's March. And Aliyah was showing me pictures of her girls at the march, which brought tears to my eyes. Oh, and I brought my daughter, awesome. too. And I just feel like it's so our time in every way. So, like, any time I can get, like, female power in one room, it makes me very happy. That's
1: great. I love that. Yeah. And I think,
0: Sarah, we connected on a Facebook group for women, right? Yep. Yeah. I had written a post
1: and you responded and said, Hey, do you want to do my podcast? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because I was specifically and not that I mean, if you look at how many podcasts I've done, I have done a good share of women, but not enough. So I'm really trying to balance it more. And plus, for those of who you who don't know, like a showrunner is pretty much the top rung on the totem pole. And it's just so great when women are in those positions. And even in this group on Facebook, it's been great seeing people's posts about like I just came off a you know, show that was all women. And actually, we're doing a show with TNT right now where the uh, the talent's female, the showrunner's female, the post-EP is female. In a career as a showrunner, you are, I always call it the monkey on the tree because you're going from branch to branch. And it's like you finish one show and then you hang on to the next show. And you know, you rarely get time in between and probably are afraid to take that time because what if you don't get the next gig? So what's that like in terms of like having careers like that where... Maybe, is there anxiety? Do you know at a certain point you're always going to get a gig? And what if it's not a gig that you want? Like, I'm so curious about that life because yeah. it is kind of, it's great money, right? In mm-hmm. our industry, it's it's good, but you but there's so much stress on top of it.
1: Yeah, I, fe- I think I just went through the first period where I felt like for a really long time, oh, you know, I'm getting consistent work for years. And I worked back-to-back shows for about four or five years straight. And uh, I decided just recently, okay, I need to take a break. I need to go... And just do my own thing and sort of reset. And uh, I went to Bali. And right before I went to Bali, I turned down a show. And then I got back. And I'm like, all right, I went I went to Bali. I had my my month off. And I feel great. I'm like, I'm ready to get back to work. Crickets. <laughs> and I went, oh, oh God, shit. <laughs> right. So I think the first time I sort of like, did, and, you know, it was my choice. But at the same time, okay. then I come back and I want it to happen on my time and my terms are, all right, guys, I'm ready to get back to work. They're like, all right, give us like a month. I'm like, no, no, no. Like next week. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) So, so now, you know, here we are February and I'm now, you know, back up for a couple jobs, but, um, it is, it it takes, it takes definitely a certain kind of personality, I think, to get used to the idea that you are, you know, no, nothing is guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And when you are on shows, year after year, and it's back to back, it feels amazing. And you feel like you're on a roll. But that does not mean it's always going to be that way. Yeah, that's interesting. And I also feel like part of your job as showrunners is that every
0: unless you're sort of an in house showrunner, which I guess exists. But you know, I looked at both your resumes, and you've both been with a lot of different production companies. Yeah. It must be weird to start a new courtship every single time. It's not just a new show. It's a new company. It's new systems. It's new bosses. Like, what is that like? There's definitely that adjustment to figuring out what is the,
2: what's the politics here, what's the corporate environment, who do I ask for things, mm-hmm. you know, who are, who are my allies, yeah, and who's my actual support? Because a lot of times you go in and it's like, oh, you don't need your own production manager because we've got these people who are in house, and you find out those people are right. in house or maybe servicing six or ten shows. I think. For me, the thing that, that was really hard in the beginning was I always want to be doing... The thing that's beautiful about freelance is you can be doing shows that you feel really passionately about, right? So that's the dream. You always want to be doing the show that you're like, I know I'm the best showrunner for this because you, you, know, you go in for the meeting and someone starts telling you about the show and you're like, yes, and this, and this. And you can picture it and you know exactly what kind of set you want mm-hmm. and you're adding all the you know, all the bells and whistles and that's the exciting part is the adventure and freelance of like I don't know what's gonna happen next and it could be amazing. And I'm naturally very optimistic. I so, can tell. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> um, you know, I never so like I never wanted to be ti- I never wanted to be tied down because <laughs> the idea of like like I don't even do options, which right. was a big fight earlier in my career. And mm. now it's just something that people understand about me. And look, if it goes well I will keep myself available. I kept myself available to go back five times to people's couch. Yeah. Um, But, and I I did sort of do some options with them. (laughs) But I already knew I loved the show at that point. Yeah, yeah. All three's great. But that's, all three's great. Yeah. Um, But that was, like, then there's the tough thing of what you're talking about that the shows are long and you don't want to tie yourself to something for eight months that you don't think you're going to be happy doing. As a showrunner, Very often, you're kind of just selling someone that chunk of your life. You're basically saying, okay, for the next four, six, eight months, you are my top priority. I will be checking my emails at midnight, 3 a.m., 6 Mm a.m. I will be responsive. I will be accountable. If I make a bad hire, I will essentially be doing that person's job, too. Um, I promise you an amazing show that gets amazing ratings despite whatever marketing money you don't put into it. Mm -hmm it's just it's incredibly stressful and you want to do that for the shows you love and the anxiety of how do i say no to, like i have to work i'm the sole breadwinner for my family i have two kids and so how do you say no to something that you're not super excited about without knowing what's coming next mm-hmm. or if anything's around the corner or how
1: soon it's coming oh that's the worst part is when you have a couple jobs that you're up for and the one that you want the least gives you the offer first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That just happened to me, too. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wait. I, I have this other one in mind. I really want it. And, you know, you sometimes have to take a leap of faith. That's part of it, too. So yeah. save, save, save. That's the biggest thing our- Right, <laughs> Right. And you have
0: to. Yeah. So let's break down because I think, you know, probably... I don't have the the research, but probably most of the listeners of the podcast are sort of industry people, but I do know that people outside the industry listen. So I want to kind of just break down what a showrunner does. So you get hired onto a show. Uh, what's the first, you know, just kind of break down like, you know, I know it sounds fundamental, but if you had to sort of break down the duties of a showrunner, I think that would be helpful.
2: It's It's figuring out, what the show is a lot of times you're starting with as little as a log line (laughs) you know someone Mm -hmm. who just has a really great track record in sales has sold a show on a concept or sometimes there's you're lucky and there's been a pilot and you actually have the research of what people like and don't like about the pilot Um, but it's really it's it's figuring out sort of simultaneously what is this show what resources does it need who do i need to hire to do it and it's that balance of the creative and the business and the managerial and you have to do it on this insane simultaneous schedule i mean i i did one show that got picked up that basically had to be on the air within 6 weeks it was a huge studio show we didn't have a host we didn't really have a format and one of the the very first day i went in we essentially approved a set because we knew Whatever else happened, we knew we were going to have an audience. We knew we needed a screen to show larger material. We knew we need possibly needed a smaller screen for scoring, or maybe we'd use it for a logo. But it was crazy. I mean, can you imagine? Like we were basically <laughs> proving a stage before before we knew what the That's show insane. was. Wow. But yes, yeah, sorry to answer your question. It's a showrunner is the person who's ultimately accountable for every detail of the show, so you're basically starting a business from from ground one, from ground zero, and um, it's, you, it's, it's something like, I take the responsibility super seriously because I know what it's taken for a production company to get a show mm-hmm. to the point that it's finally on the air, like, their heart and soul and sweat equity that they've put into it, and then they're trusting their reputation in your hands. The network is handing over millions of dollars of their money, and... We kind of have no risk. Like we're we're getting paid a negotiated salary, and but the the weight of the expectation is very is very high because it's your reputation. You're only as good. I'm only as good as my last show.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because um, without naming names or anything, you know, Sarah, you had said earlier that you're up for a show um, that's now going into a second season. So in that case, there's a great track record on the show already. Mm-hmm. There's probably some staff that's gonna you'll inherit right that right. you won't. Um, so is the edict, don't fuck it up, or is it, here's what we're going to (laughs) try to do second season? You know, I mean, I imagine there's sort of a different kind of pressure on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it depends on the show. I think more formatted shows sometimes has a little bit of a don't fuck it up, you know, we've figured it out type of vibe. But this one is a very (laughs) special show. I think that, um, you know, they even said to me, they said, don't expect to come in here and just do the same thing. Like, we want something fresh and different and... You know the the nature of it is taking chances, and so they're looking for somebody who's going to do something like that. And I think, you know, especially if it's a, like a doc series, which yeah. I mostly do, yeah. Um, it you know you're you're telling a different story every yeah. time, so you're starting from scratch and like what is the the whole season arc? You know, what are these characters going to go through? Just because in life they're not going to repeat the same things. So, um, so yeah, I think that uh, with at least what I do, it's a lot more fluid. I think.
0: Yeah, so are you that's I'm glad you brought that up about doc series versus formats cuz I feel like Aliyah's done more formats and you've done more doc. Do you, what do you like? I mean, I've, you've obviously chosen to do those shows for a reason. What is it that attracts you to the docu series?
1: The characters, the storytelling. Um I love I'm it's just by nature in my storytelling process, I I love the freedom of it. Um yeah. and, you know, I have done format shows, and I, I, to me, I mean, no offense, but it feels like a break sometimes, because it's like, oh, great, like, you know we have these happen. boxes, yeah. and I get to just, like, fill them in. I think with doc series, it's a little bit more like it's a choose-your-own-adventure, it's shifting, it's shaping, you know, the characters are unpredictable, just like people, I mean, they are people. Um, and you basically have to take what's happening, and you have to thread things that, you know, you have no idea what's what, what's going to happen from when you started and you started with the outlines, right? So, like, you know, we we were at the outlines in the beginning saying, all right, this is what the characters are going through, the network approves it, and then we go in and it all changes, mm-hmm. you know, because they're living, breathing people that change, you yeah. know? And so...
0: What if you I don't actually... get what you need? Like, what if... Because that's always the big risk, right? Because if you craft the storyline right. now, obviously, we're in a time where the industry is moving away from heavily scripting stuff. So right. you're like trying to get organic awesome. stuff. Yeah, but it's great. But then what if you don't get it, right? That's See, the that's... network's biggest fear. They're like Aaliyah said, they're laying out gazillions of dollars for you to get the story.
1: Right. Well, that I think is my favorite part is when we don't get what we need and we actually have to, you know, use our brains and, you know, like really figure out a way to produce the show in a different, unique way. I mean, that's that's when I get jazzed. That's what a reality show is supposed to be. It's supposed to be that everything is changing and moving. And I feel like if you go in and everything stays the same as you thought it was gonna be, it's probably gonna be more stale. You yeah. know, because then you're you're it's it's much more um figured out and planned out and you know, those when that happens I'm bored. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Well then yeah. you're essentially
2: doing a scripted show without any of the <laughs> benefits of a scripted
1: Exactly. Show, without any right. of that <laughs> without the script, right? Yes. right. <laughs>
2: or actors. Yeah. yeah.
1: But yeah. I also, I think, uh, you know, another thing that I love about doing doc series is that I fall in love with the people that I'm telling the stories about. I always end up being friends with them. I always end up, you know, taking them along with me through my journey in life. And, and you know, I I get inspired by them. Um, I love going through the process of sometimes it's therapeutic for them. A lot of the times it's therapeutic for them. Um, so I love that about it. I love that I'm not working with actors and you know, professionals where they come in and they clock in and they go out. It's like we're—I love that they call me in the middle of the night. I was just going to ask yeah. you that. I said, you end up
0: being more of a therapist. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I know just from the little show running I did that it, that that was ninety-five percent of the job, and yeah. then the other was just like producing.
1: Right. <laughs> and it was overwhelming at first, definitely, yeah. because you know, boyfriends and husbands and right. people <laughs> like that are like, "Wait, you're going to leave dinner again to go talk to some random person?" Yeah, it's show? hard to have a life. Yeah, it is but then if, when you fall in love with it that's that's when it becomes okay that yeah. that's when it's like no this is part of my life and but then the good thing is is that 3 months from now I'll have a month off and then I'll be on the couch annoying you <laughs> yeah right has there ever been an
0: instance for either of you where you just hated the show midway and just quit
2: i've never i've never quit a show i i had one show that i absolutely hated it. was, a, And I ended up actually leaving the agency uh, after that had set me up for the job after that because it was one of those situations where um I'm trying to figure out how to say it without <laughs> revealing who it is. But basically, I, I tried to really, early on in my career, really tried to diversify. Like, if I had yeah. done two relationship shows in a row, I didn't want to do a third. Or yeah. if I done two food Smart. shows in a row, I didn't want to do a third. And I think earlier in my career, it confused people. And now I like to think that, you know, I'm uniquely qualified for the shows I do want to do. But yeah. So it was the third in a row where it started with, okay, you know how you get to a point in a relationship where you're either <laughs> going to break up or get married. Yeah, I've pitched that like ten times. Uh, like, <laughs> it's not so common. But like, I, I had done Temptation Island, so I kind of right. I was like, yeah, I, I know that point yeah. you get to. And, um, and it was just, it was a pilot, and it was miserable, and I kept saying no, and it was one of those like, well, how much would it take for you to say yes? And I just felt so unsupported. I went out into the field, me, one other person shooting and doing audio, like really chaotic people who kept quitting the show and storming off. <laughs> and the guy had not been vetted properly because mm. it wasn't going to air. So he was really violent. Oh, my um, God. At one point, he was, like, racing around, like, <laughs> like, like driving drunk, trying to track down his girlfriend, and we're in the backseat covering it. I'm like, this is amazing footage, but I might die. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, and then I came back to find out that none of my footage had been ingested because they wanted me to use the field notes to say what footage... I thought I might want to use for the edit and wanted me to put the original mini D V tapes into a clamshell and oh my watch and like watch basically log the stuff. Yeah, right. Really. No. <laughs> and I was just like, This is horrible. And I, I I did it, but I was miserable. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I Sarah, did you ever have
1: that? I don't. I'm trying to think if I've ever quit a show. I don't think I've ever quit a show, but I I have been fired, and I, <laughs> you know, tov. yeah, yeah, Take like a badge of honor. <laughs> yeah, you have to go through it. Um, yeah. It's happened once or twice, yeah. and I I feel like in those shows I was not happy, and it yeah. wasn't a good relationship. And you know, I mean, I always try to stick it out, and I and it was clear that it wasn't working, and. Same type of thing. I'm not being supported is huge.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask that, like, it almost talk to the to the production companies out there. Like, what's the best thing
1: they can do to make a showrunner happy? Right, right. And this is actually one of the examples I'm talking about was a long time ago when I was, like, AP field producer oh, time. Okay. And I was still working my stuff out. Yeah. But, but I think, um, you know, supporting showrunners is huge. Feeling like it's a partnership. Um, you know, obviously, we're the liaison between the network and the production company. So we have both goals in mind. And we have, you know, we're looking at the budget, or we're looking at, you know, sometimes, (laughs) or we're looking at, you know, uh, creatively, what everybody wants. And so, you know, I've been in certain situations where the production company wants, you know, to sort of covet the way that things are going to be and then or the network wants to covet the way that things are going to be and do not respect the other. And, so I'm kind of caught in the middle, and then I go out and I'm trying to do my own thing. So, you know, if you're not on the same page, you're not working as a unit, that becomes hard. And then you go out and you feel like you're on an island. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, too, in terms
0: of the network of it all. How much, uh, and I guess it changes with each show, but for you, Aaliyah, that you've done so many of these formats, yeah. how much interaction are you having directly with the network? Is Are the producer, are the, you know, the production company trying to be the ones that are the face or are you out there talking to the EP at the network?
2: I, there's a couple of exceptions where the where the EP owners of the production yeah. companies have been the main uh, liaison to the network. That's unusual. One of the things that I do really like and appreciate in a production company is when they've got the confidence, when they feel established enough that yeah. they can let me have that direct communication because... It's fine, like I will keep everyone looped in, yeah, and I don't mind who's on that call, but that game of telephone, you know it's I think it's really important to have that direct communication with the network, and i've I've learned the diplomacy of always saying i'll you know i'll think about that or let me let me think about that which i i didn't <laughs> yeah. always know i you know sort of I feel like you have to give the
1: answer right then yeah right? i mean a lot of times
2: yeah definitely i mean what i definitely had to learn was you know look when you're on a show you're thinking about that show all the time and so you know sometimes you're on a call and the network makes a suggestion and you've already fully thought through that suggestion you know why it's not going to work and so you feel like well, you hired me to do this job, so I'll tell you why that's not going to work. Um, they don't want to hear that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, so you say, well, think about it. But <laughs> it's so important to hear straight from them what it is they want or what it is they think they want or what isn't working because there's so much more going on at the network than just watching your show. There's, They just watched competitive format and they've just been given this directive that they want certain elements that they can start promoting or they have this other show coming out and they want to make sure it doesn't step on that. And knowing everything and being able to watch the show through your eyes and then also watch the show through your production company owner's eyes and watch the show through the network's eyes, the more information you have, the better. And if someone else is doing that call and then they jump on another call and then you're kind of getting the telephone version of the notes from that call... You don't have the freedom to say, can can we unpack that a little bit? Like, can you can you clarify what is what does that actually mean? And what if I did this would that would that address the note?
0: Right. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I, just, I love that you're using the word telephone because that's what always you know because a lot of times a production company owner is then interpreting the notes from the network that gets trickled down to you. By the time you institute the notes with your team, it could be five version away from what actually was said. Which is why I always think even if it's You know, unmute. You should be a part of those network conversations because it only benefits the show for you to have it firsthand from the horse's mouth. Even though, of course, they'll change their minds anyway, yeah, and you'll be wrong no matter what because networks are networks. But at least you have are privy to that,
2: yeah. Yeah, And also, nobody wants a show that's. Worse, I mean, it's, <laughs> really, it, 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 like, <laughs> like <laughs> physicians, like first you would do no think harm so. Right? Some people,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> confusing. But right? there is
2: that thing of like, you know, what's the note? What's the note behind the note? And you really, you know, coming back to the thing about like why you have to be passionate about the shows you're doing. Like yeah. ultimately, you're gonna like no matter how much you love the show, you're gonna be the person going back to your team who pulled an all nighter to basically tell them notes that you're like okay, how do I deliver this note that doesn't make it sound like they hate what we did? Yeah, right. And here are some ways we're going to make it shittier on purpose. So <laughs> being able being able to go in and really process that stuff and go like, okay, I hear the note. I know what it is. Here he, I have some ideas. Here's what, you know, here's what we're going to try and just also just keeping all that anger and bile in
0: Right. Just, I, know, I, I thought you it. didn't have that. You're so, you're so positive. No, 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 I
2: have it. I just I keep it. Covered, okay, Keep it, it tucked, in. tucked in.
0: So in terms, of, if you had to look at all, you know, your whole career and, and look at the common denominators across all shows, what would you say if you had to name like the biggest challenge as a showrunner that you're going to be up against no matter how buttoned up a show is? It's just... There's always going to be X. I mean, if you had to boil it down to one or two things, what would you say?
1: Hmm. Uh,
0: I'll, I'll give an example which may not be relevant to you guys or not, you know, not enough resources for a show. You know, that, that they're always going to have three bodies less than you want or something like
1: that. I don't yeah. know if that's, you know. Yeah, I mean, relevant. I definitely think, you know, when the creative vision on all fronts is way bigger than the budget is probably <laughs> the biggest thing. You yeah. know, everybody wants... You know, everything quick and everything amazing. And then they're like, but here's the money and it's not (laughs) enough to do it. And you have to explain to them, well, you don't want to be a no person. Nobody ever likes that. And so you try to come up with creative ways to fix problems. But at the same time... You know, I'm sorry, but I can't get this A-list celebrity here tomorrow, to sh- <laughs> you know, and put on a an extravagant dance performance with, like, $50,000, you know. Actually, 50000 I could do that with. <laughs> yeah, you know, that would be a great budget. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, for you know, $5. Right. You yeah. know, and it's, and um, I I mean, I have been told by networks, hey, we, I want to get 100 extras to this thing tomorrow or, like, you know. I mean, the the lists of things that, that people come up with is hilarious, um, and it's your job to figure out how to do that, and then creatively tell them, I can't do that if you can't, you know, and, and so that's probably the biggest thing, I think, generally. Yeah. And then cast. I mean, if cast is tough, and, you know, they don't want to show up to set because they <laughs> don't have, you know, whatever that they need or want in the moment, that's tough, um, you know, and... And again, I, I mean, I've, I think I've been pretty lucky with the cast that I've had, and I have had some difficult talent. But, um, you know, in general, it's just about problem solving and making sure that you're, you've got the vision in mind and that you're constantly coming up with solutions. Yeah. On the fly, Travel all the time. Troubleshooting all the time. Troubleshooting all fires. the time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Making, making decisions very, very quickly mm-hmm. and then tracking, making sure you track down that change so that... Every department that needs to know knows, and it's you don't all of a sudden, like, that one thing you forgot, you know, you forgot to tell them to move the caterer one hour earlier. Mm-hmm. Or, like, <laughs> right. the PA yeah. who's picking up the talent yeah. already it's left for the day, so she didn't hear that. It's amazing, you know, the, te- the house of cards, right? The, the house of yeah. cards, just yeah. managing those details all the time. And I think also, um, yeah, the disconnect between creative and budget is, you know, just it it rears its head in so many different ways mm-hmm. down to, like, just, you know, notes, passes that, that don't stop.
1: Those mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. are fun. You know. right? Yeah, where, yeah. You
2: know, Because you really do, like, your, your first point of contact, you know, wants a chance to weigh in. Right. Especially getting to that first episode. Like, there are things... There are things that it would be great to do on every show. Like, it would be great to always pull forward the first episode so that you can deliver it earlier, so that you can take that through post so that you can get your first several rounds of notes and then start post later Mm -hmm. on the rest of the episodes, right? That would be A perfect world, right. Right. Budgetarily, you can't do that because you're stretching out post for a really long period of time. But then the cost and the overage of how long it takes for everyone to go... Yeah, that's that's our show. That's what it looks like. You just it's it it you know, it's that kind of thing. Like it's I feel like you can build a schedule, but at the end of the day, everyone agrees you it's gotta figure change. out you yeah. gotta figure out what the show <laughs> is, but you can't you can never get anyone to sign off on that model right at the right. beginning.
1: And the hard thing with posts sometimes is that if you go past what you initially scheduled and um, you know, and everyone's going, no, you're outside of budget, like you know, rein it back, and then you go, okay, shit, well, I got to pull it together and make sure that we get it in, but it's unreasonable, and you're <laughs> you're burning people out, and yeah. you know, and you're and the show um is hurting because of it, and they're going to the take it out season, on you, they're going to take it, yeah, exactly, they're gonna <laughs> right. take, <they're> gonna take, <laughs> I remember one time I had this editor who was just like really bad, really really awful, just fucking up here and left and right. And um I went into the production company and said, We gotta let this guy go. And they said, Well, he, you know, here at Blank Company, uh, we don't <laughs> we don't really fire people. Um, we like to give people a chance. And I was like, Okay, but I have four weeks, you know, <laughs> right. or like three weeks. It was something insane. I said, um, that's that's great, but like, is the network gonna call his editor and be like, Look, you know, you didn't do a great job uh, you know, no, it's gonna be on me. So that's what a happened? problem. Um, I worked with him for like a week and then let him go. And I said <laughs> I went back and I said I, oh. <laughs> Yeah, I tried. And in terms of that tight schedule, I know that if we get another season it's like all right, now they're gonna say, "Well, you did it in this amount of time last time." Oh, of course, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's always the thing because diminishing budgets, diminishing right? If schedules. you can pull a
0: rabbit magic, out, if you can pull a rabbit out of a hat once, you can do it again. Exactly, and it's like, no, 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 we really
1: didn't do it. It was just right. an illusion. And to think about how great it could have been if you had that extra yeah. couple weeks, that extra month. Is there ever that? It does happen. I've, re- I mean, I've recently have been working with some amazing companies that they really listen and they really, if they trust you, and and also networks. I, I've had some great experience with networks lately, mm-hmm. too, where um you know, when they you have that trust and respect and they see that you, you know, do a great job, then you start to, they start to listen. Yeah.
0: You have um, to build it.
1: Yeah, you do. I've had the same experience, and in fact, I just,
2: I was doing development over the summer with a company that I hadn't worked for before, and... They kept me involved through the budget process, and it was fantastic. We sat, I built the first schedule, we worked out the budget, we talked about, and we were always trying to get to a number, and of course, it's now gone through vetting with the network. I have no idea where the budget actually ended up, but we set up a model that worked great. We have people in for the right number of weeks to start with, and that was amazing. I've never been brought in that early in the process, what I'm used to is, you come in, you get the schedule, you go the, you get the budget, you run your own schedule. You know, I build my calendar and I go, okay, well, did you guys want to see the cut before I send it to network? Because that's not accounted for, right? You know, things like that. Yeah, where it's like, it, it wasn't, it wasn't built by a showrunner. It was built by someone who's trying to back into right. a number and mm-hmm. did a great job. Like I don't disparage it. I see what the process is. It's just it's not necessarily realistic Mm -hmm.
0: yeah it occurs to me as we're talking and i think i've always known this but it's really being crystallized in the moment now is that in a way a showrunner has to wear more hats than anybody because right like a producer produces an ap you know maybe they book and they research an editor edits sound guy does sound Mm -hmm. you guys are managing a staff which to me is a full-time job you're managing talent which is a full-time job you're managing a budget you're managing your bosses you're managing the network and you have to make a show, and it has to be creative, and you have to figure out the format, and you have to figure out your episodes, and you're managing your editors. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. You guys are superheroes. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> no, but really, like, because t- to me, like, you have, ha- sorry, you have to be good to-, to be as employable as you guys are. You have to be good at all those things, because you could be a great, I mean, I've met all kinds, and you could be great at a lot of the things I mentioned and a shitty people manager. You know that was my least favorite part, honestly, because mm. I don't really like managing people, and I just like the creative part. But but you had that you have to be a good one. You got to do that. You have to I be feel really like good. That, that.
1: That's probably the number one thing you have to be, mm-hmm. because no matter what, if things are going wrong yeah. and you're not managing people well, you know you're gonna have crews that hate you. You're gonna <laughs> right. have you know production oh, yeah. companies. I didn't that even are mention annoyed. the fields. Right. Right. Exactly. So um, yeah, I definitely think that people managing and people skills is probably the number one qualification for the job. Yeah, and you have to do a good job, and you
2: also have to leave people liking you and wanting to work (laughs) with you again. So you have to do all of that and still stay pleasant.
1: Right. Oh, how exhausting. No wonder
2: you guys make the big bucks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's one thing that I think a lot of people don't know about showrunners, too, is that we set the look of the show. Right. And, you know, I even had an interview recently where the um, production company came back to me and said, so we want to know how involved you are with the, you know, camera cameras choosing stuff you know style uh, graphics all of that and um I've said it I do all of that you know that's what we all do but apparently there are some showrunners who don't that will just that are just story driven or and they hire the dp and the dp comes up with the look but I feel like the best showrunners again have that vision visually as well you have to you have to decide what the show is going to look like and that goes all the way through post so you also have to be an artist. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> amazing. I mean, I've been on shows where I've butt heads with the butt heads with the DP because, yeah. you know, we have a different vision. But, I mean, ultimately, they are supposed to be, you know, executing your vision. Right. So, you know, globally, you give them themes and, you know, this is what I'm thinking. And if, And, I mean, I'm very involved with that process. Um, but ultimately, if your bosses, i.e.,
0: the production company, i.e., the network, have a different vision, you have to execute that vision exactly.
1: So that's the it's the pecking order, right? right. You know, is that
0: and, tough? Like where you feel like you have a totally different creative, or do you know that in the interview? Like do you know that before you take the job?
1: Um, I I think generally you do, but then sometimes it changes too. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, I mean,
2: yeah, because yeah. yeah, also there's you know there's things like like set design where it's so crucial. Like that is the first impression of right. the show. So yes, if you're working yeah, on a stage, set stage show, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And her set is the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like with Bravo, like with People's Couch. Yeah, you know, obviously, and you did five seasons of People's Couch. Yeah, technically it's on paper it's four, okay. but we came back five times. Um, and that's that's a show where it's so funny because you were asking all. So do you yeah. shoot it in sets, those are people's actual homes, but obviously they're also the cleaned up Bravo versions of people's <laughs> right. homes. Like we brought in practical lighting, we upgraded their accent, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> their accent right. pillows, some crazy like throw rugs. Yeah, because yeah. at the end of the day, like it's Bravo. Yeah, you so can't you know be what in some you're crack getting dead. yourself into. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but but then there's also shows where, for example, with with a set, you know, that's the sort of thing where as I'm envisioning the show, the flow of the show, where people are going to be seated, how the conversation is going to work, where are people referencing, I have an idea of exactly what I want that to look like. And it's something that I start to get really excited about. Also, I've done a lot of shows where people sit on couches, so I know what kind of couches work on television. <laughs> and with The Writer's Room on Sundance, that was a show where I was really excited about this idea that they were in this space that was kind of Soho House meets a loft in Chelsea that was a former paper mill and that there would still be these, like, you know, faded paint designs on the wall that had the old manufacturing company and we started sending style guides to the network and they were going back and forth, back and forth. We weren't getting clear feedback and when we finally did get feedback, it was, look, I don't care what it looks like. It can be be a polka-dotted couch. I don't care. I just need my boss to sign off. And that kind of feedback can just be so devastating because if I'm really excited, like, look, the set is the first impression you have of the show. It's that's That's your environment. And so if I do know exactly what I think it needs to look like and nobody else cares... Why aren't we doing my vision? Um, but it's ultimately, just weird. It comes down that's to just like- strange to me. Like,
0: that, do you know what I mean? Especially in a show like that, where all you have is the set and obviously what they're saying. I mean, I, I saw that show. I Actually, love that show. So, congratulations. But um, so I love inside baseball stuff. But
1: to yeah, so me, that's all you're
0: looking. At. It's not like a docu where your scenes are changing and you're going from the house to the outside. All you're looking at is the set. Why wouldn't you care what that looks like? That doesn't even make sense to me. And so often
2: it comes down to like just people's personal aesthetics. So someone's like, I like Danish modern. It's like, right. okay, that's or like, I like gray couches. It's yeah. like, that's fine, but our floor is polished concrete. So maybe
1: that's not the yeah. best. Yeah. Or Couch the brand color. of the network, which sometimes doesn't. Uh, you know, doesn't have anything to do with the show. yeah. Well, we want, you know, super wide interview shots brightly lit. you know, and I'm like, this is a gritty show, you know, about the underground dancer, you know, whatever it yeah. is. It's like, wow, that that doesn't work for this show at all. <laughs>
0: you know? so how much put how much pushback will you do in those those two examples that you just gave? Like, do you sort of fight till you realize it's not worth fighting, or do you go straight to the? You know, you do you bring like I know you have to pick your battles. Well, that's but- when
2: it's so important to have that direct line of communication to the network and yeah. to be able to say, "Here's why. Here's why I think this is what's best for the show." Yeah, and here's what I'm trying to accomplish. So, what what is the what's the actual issue? If I change these elements, is that enough?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, You're trying to compromise. You're trying to make them happy, but also kind of push through your vision.
2: Yeah, and also acknowledge, like, you know, look, I, you know, you can spend weeks in edit taking something from 85% to 100%, but if it's also about what's the audience experience going to be, what's the viewer experience going to be, and ultimately the viewer doesn't care what color the couch is, but you do need the environment to function in a certain way. So it's still that, like, first do no harm, and then also pick your
1: battles. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's just about the way you pitched it and your approach (laughs) and you need to go a different route, you know, or like in that uh, example I was giving you about how the brand of the network, those interviews were so different than what the show felt like, you know, I just went and recreated that look for them and sent it to them and they went, oh, okay, we get it now. You know, sometimes just explaining something that's visual is really tough, but... You have to actually recreate it for them and say, "Okay, yeah, I get it now." Yeah, so. yeah, that's actually true. See. Actually,
2: sending sending something over, doing the camera test, right? You know, yeah, showing. Right. Sometimes you have to take something, you know, through the color test. Right. Take you know, take sample footage all the way through color correction before you have shot a frame of the actual show, just to say okay, this is how we're painting the cameras. This is what your raw is going to look like, but here's what it's actually going to look like when we deliver.
0: Yeah. I think it's good for people to hear this too because they don't realize what goes into it. Like, it's not just random most of the time. It's really calculated and it's really thought out. You know, I think they think of scripted like that, but not reality, but... In reality, we do a lot of that. And I mean, The Bachelor doesn't look like The Bachelor randomly, you know, right. like it has a very, very high end glossy look. And that's part of the DNA of the show.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know, I mean, I loved season one of Unreal, but it's I, you know, I still have flashbacks with like <laughs> a lot because I did meet my folks and marry my dad and Temptation Island 2 and a bunch of those sorts of. You know, love in a house, love on an <laughs> island type shows, and it's like, yeah, it looks that good because there's a PA out there with a with a hose or a power washer first thing in the morning, making sure that the circular driveway is evenly wet, so yeah. that that big jib shot looks a certain way, and the lights off the limo are reflecting evenly as that as that car pulls around.
0: Yeah. Every yeah. little detail. Every
1: detail. And some people, uh, there's a big misconception that it can't look beautiful and glossy and still be real. I run into that all the time. Even with networks, you know, they say, well, we want it to look beautiful, but we also want it to be real. And I'm like, no problem. We can do that. Yeah. You know, that's in the way that, you know, what camera you choose and what lenses you're using and the way that you, you know, How excellent you light operators, yeah. you know, yeah. and just as simple as that, you know, it's not like we're just pointing the camera at people
0: yeah that's a good point so do you guys feel like as women that there are certain things that make you really good at your job because you're women you know you or is it sort of gender is irrelevant like well i'm just curious like as as women in the industry as as powerful women is there a different experience both sort of on the good and the bad side of things Um, i know it's a loaded question
2: it's a, it's a tricky question and I can sort of only speak to my experience but I will say like I'm I'm very type A and <laughs> I have always had a, a difficult time kind of having any sort of barriers with you know life work separation <laughs> um, and you know work work came first for decades but the nice thing is we work in an industry where like you surround yourself with like the brightest smartest funniest people most competent people you know and then you keep hiring them so you get to be at work with your friends and I definitely found like when I was pregnant with my first kid, I was on Trading Spaces and, like, literally walking around with, like, a carbon filter mask. <laughs> right. um, Probably not and- the
0: best show for a pregnant woman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my god. Right. Insanity.
2: <laughs> and I was really scared because everyone kept saying I had all these male bosses who were really supportive, Frank Sinton and David Schiff, um, you know, who were saying things like... Yeah, you know, once you're a parent, it's really different. Like, you, we, you know, see how you feel, see when you want to come back. And I was like, oh my God, what if I give birth and I like cleave into two people and all of a sudden I don't have this passion who knows like we have pictures of me like doing casting like on my belly like while I'm (laughs) you know like literally in the hospital with the monitors around my belly.
0: And how did these male bosses know how you were going to feel?
2: Well it was I mean they just they knew what the experience (laughs) of like being
0: a parent had
2: you know had been for them. Slowed them down right. (laughs) Yeah and I found that the one thing that did change after I had kids was I'm definitely more efficient with my time in the office. Like there's no time to be ADD. There's no time (laughs) to be like oh I'm just going to check this. Right, you're website. not hanging out after
0: hours. Schmoozing. Yeah,
2: you're. Yeah, and you're like choosing when when to go out. And I remember even saying, like, I, I remarked to a friend, I was like, Yeah, it's so crazy. Like all of a sudden, I have this like reason to like go home after work. And my husband was like, I've Thanks. been here for years.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was just the vessel to get you the reason. Uh, yeah, that's great. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if. It's so like did a male it change female. you then? Um, Other than being efficient, like, did it? Change the priorities or the or the way you approached I mean, your work.
2: I'm a producer, so I can like justify anything. So like in my mind, I go like, well, it's great for my kids to have this model of a parent who really loves what they do. Mm-hmm. And I've taken them to set, and they, you know, they like it. They're less interested in post because it's just snacks. Um, <laughs> yeah. oh, I would think that would make them more interesting. Occasionally people bring dogs to the office, that's exciting to me. Right, them. right. But um <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know that it's changed me, but definitely um, when you talked about the skills that a showrunner has to have mm-hmm. and you were talking about all the management and then on top of that you actually have to produce a show. There are definitely, there's also a brand of showrunner that does all the management and doesn't necessarily run the show. And that is the same, that is the same title. And presumably people are being interviewed for that same job. And I've definitely seen, I've definitely seen that approach. It's a very different approach. It's an approach where your job is to make sure that the show, the perception is... That that person's job is to make sure the show gets executed, as opposed to actually being that hands-on visionary showrunner. And I don't know if that's a gender.
0: Well, women thing are I good seen. multitaskers. I mean, yeah, it just yeah. made me think that I didn't yeah. think you know that we can handle so many thing, so many things at once, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know either, because I'm sure there's men that are great at that too. But right? It's, but it's an interesting. Yeah. thing Yeah. So I'm not about. saying yeah. like okay,
2: I yeah. like I feel like that's how men approach it and women approach it differently, but it's just that that brand of show running and I've certainly seen people do it and be very successful doing it that would just never occur to me like, <laughs> right. I just feel mm-hmm. like, right. like well, you're only then doing I'm one part of the not job not actually doing my job yeah.
0: right. sarah have you experienced or what are your thoughts sort of about being you know a female showrunner is that a unique experience or is it just not even relevant
1: well i'm it's absolutely relevant i mean i think in any any show you do, you know, you bring your own unique experience to it. And, yeah, I mean, I think generally, and here we go into stereotypes, but, you know, it's like women are empathetic, you know, I think internally and or, you know, that that's just what we do. Like we care about people. not that men don't. Again, it's hard. It's a tricky <laughs> subject. but it is. But, you know, I mean, I think that like I think a lot of the best male showrunners have that sensitivity to them. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so I I think, uh, you know, because you're dealing with real people and you can't just come in and, you know, be the boss and that's it and be strong and that's it. You know, I think that women bring that sort of sensitivity to the job. And and I think probably the male showrunners who are successful do that as well.
0: That's really interesting. Have either of you ever felt held back or experienced any type of sexism um, where you felt like, oh, this is because I'm a woman?
1: Sure, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there was one time where I got a job, and on my first day, I fought for the title. For this was like kind of near the beginning, I fought for the EP title, and uh, somebody, um, my boss, sat me down my first day and said, "You see that woman over there?" And I said, "Yeah." He goes, uh, "She, she took the lower title because she cared about what do you say? Because she cared about her family." And um, you know, was cool with just getting the job, basically. Like, wanted to be the you know, she she needed the work, and she's a mother. And I'm like, why are you telling me this story? And I I don't have kids, and that has nothing to do with me. And it was clearly a very sexist threat. Wow. So that does happen. Yeah. Aliyah, anything? Um, I've definitely
2: I've definitely been approached at times by both production companies and by networks, and there is the idea that if I understand sort of the position that they've been put in that I will back away from things that are have already been negotiated you know because if I just understood <laughs> right. and you know and I and I feel like it's it's hard to point to it as direct sexism
0: like in other words that you'll be understanding because you're a woman like that you're going to be you know, that you're not going to stand up to them because you're not some alpha male? I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is that where you're going with it?
2: Yeah, I don't know that I can necessarily say this is because I'm a woman, but okay. I can definitely say that there's there have been times that I've been approached where I've basically been told, hey, this is what the network is doing to us. right? And so if you can just not draw a paycheck for the next couple of weeks because <laughs> we're because the project's gone long or we know you have this negotiated bump, but it doesn't look like we're gonna be able to do it. And this idea that like we're all in it together. And a lot of times I'm being asked to compromise on the behalf of multinational, you know, multi million dollar companies.
0: And I'm they have no money.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm (laughs) one person who has one paycheck Ugh,
0: that um, and it's me. and it's
2: very hard and it's just it's it is so easy to get like gang ganged up on and again not with the management i'm with now but i've i've even been told things like yes what is happening to you is patently unfair but this company is also all these other companies and you do a lot of work with them and it's probably long term to your advantage to roll over on this wow yeah I hear you. Do you think... And it has been. I mean, that's the thing. Right. And, and I work right. very consistently. So, yeah, I probably made up those lost paychecks. Right.
0: But... But it feels kind of yucky. It feels really yucky. Mm-hmm. Do you think, just because there's been so much national conversation about, you know, in 2016, the same conversation we've been having for 45 years about equal pay, do you guys know whether or not what you're making, um, you know, as showrunners is comparable to your male counterparts?
1: I think I generally, I hope I generally make them the same, but you're right. It's like it's a case-by-case situation. It is, yeah. You know, I think in the beginning I was definitely not, you know. I mean, I I know you're paying your dues, but I remember when I got my agents, they kind of looked at my rate and went, holy shit. (laughs) You know, we've got some work to do to get you up. And uh, so, were you undervaluing yourself or you didn't know the going rate? I didn't know the going rate. Yeah. I, you know, was also doing sort of the same thing. I think rolling over just to get, yeah. you know, started, which I think was a big part of it as well. Right. I don't think which that that's. Might just,
0: be okay at the beginning, but then right. you have to, like you said, you have to catch up to where you are. Exactly.
1: And so, I started talking to a couple friends and they were men and they said, yeah, no, you, I, we make a lot more. And again, that could be partially just because I was starting out, but they were starting out as well. Right. I and, mean, you know, it's hard not to sort of read into those things like yeah. that too you know and 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 you don't know for sure but you kind of yeah. have a feeling it's a
2: tricky thing also because for example so there's there's one there's one instance that I know I can think of where I left a show and the person who came in after me who was a man made a lot more money but also that was someone who fairly consistently produces network shows and the money is much higher in network shows um, at the same time, I'm very much on the high end of what people pay in cable to the point that I've priced myself out.
0: <laughs> right, you can only do some that jobs, out, right? mm-hmm.
2: and you know, and it's and it's very infrequent. Like I remember years ago, there was the show Wired Science that was a collaboration of PBS and Wired Magazine, and I was obsessed with doing that show. And I basically said in the interview, I was like, I don't care what you pay me. <laughs> I was like, I just really want to produce this show. But now, you know, I have. I have my quote and we negotiate within that, or I let them throw out the money first, but usually they throw it out way
1: lower. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, I'm sure
0: that. it helps having agents. You guys both have agents. I mean, that you don't have to do that dirty work, I presume. Right. Yeah. Right. Which is good. Which is you good shouldn't have it. I'd be terrible
1: at it. Yeah. I'll, maybe I shouldn't have said that out loud. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'll that out. Yeah. I give my uh-huh. services away for free. I'm like, I just love the show. Yeah. <laughs> my agents are like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's good. They're doing their job. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Courtney Katzel
2: is amazing. I, like I absolutely Courtney. adore her. She listens to what i'm looking for she you know she fights she fights for what i deserve she's fantastic I, I love having her as my monster so i don't have to be mean
0: i love that so i want to end on a positive note i feel like i brought i brought everything down with this 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 uh, depressing gender talk um <laughs> so normally i have my sort of stock questions that i ask but for you guys i want kind to of change them a little bit i want to know the favorite your favorite show that you've ever worked on first of all
2: uh, my favorite show was uh, was Hollywood Game Night.
0: Yeah, the I love first that show. season of
2: that show was just it was such a blast because it's for me it was everything I wanted a show to be. It was you know it was a big shiny game show that also had a comedic element. I had always been obsessed with Price is Right growing up, and here was a chance <laughs> to basically like come in and work with a team to create. Brand new games that were pop culture based and Jane Lynch was a joy. I mean, that show was impossible. Our first season, we shot it in a house in Encino, which I think people don't realize because every subsequent season, it's been in a studio that looks like a house.
0: So was that the same house? Did you hear my Dwight and Michael podcast? Was that the same it house that they did the pilot in? No, though. Okay.
2: Um, I had nothing to do with the presentation that they Sorry, did, the but I did go yeah. as a guest. Oh, you did! Um, and that was—it was amazing. It was just this like ten thousand like foot house, like a magical 80 eighty-degree right. view. The the bathroom had like a bath that overlooked right. uh, the Sunset Strip. I mean, it was absolutely incredible, and it was a genius way. You know, yeah. it's interesting because uh, they talked about that, and then Brent Pendivic talked about different ways to pitch shows. Yes. And it is so important to just have visionaries... Yeah. ...who are running these production companies who know who know how to do that. But totally. Yeah, I mean, I still, you know, I, I met my best friend on the Hollywood game night. I'm still friends with people from from that crew. It was just... That was that was a dream job in a lot of ways. Sounds great. Sarah, do you have Yeah, a-
1: it's interesting. I get asked that a lot, and I feel like my answer... For my favorite show, you know, in terms of how it went and whether or not it was very easy is different than my favorite show in terms of content and inspiring, you know. So I I would say one of the sh- – I wouldn't say that the show is easy, but um, it was pleasant. Like the whole – it went smoothly would be uh, David to Terra Unveiled. Um, and that was a little bit more formatted, but I love David to Terra. We had a great time on it, and it was just one of those shows that just – you know, it was effortless in and, and as much as you can be when you're working on a show. Yeah. Um, but my favorite show of all time, I think, just in in terms of being inspired and loving the show itself and being really proud of what we accomplished, was uh, the Prancing Elites Project. I
0: knew you were going oh, really? yeah, <laughs> yeah. like, to say that. Yeah, looking at your resume, i like, I know she's going to say that. That was incredible. Thank
1: you. Thank really you.
0: groundbreaking.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, we we definitely, I think what was interesting about the show was that it was the first time, at least, I had ever produced something where... You're dealing with discrimination, and yeah. for those who don't know about it, it's a show about a African-American, a transgender, and non-gender-conforming dance troupe in Mobile, Alabama, who are, uh, you know, the story is just that they just want to dance, and no one wants them to dance, and they've been blocked from parades and kicked out of things and because of homophobia and racism. And I so, need to give a
0: special shout out to Bree uh, Miranda Bryant at Oxygen because oh, she her. really championed that show and nobody wanted to do it. So and true. And she fought for it because it was really risky. Yeah. And and so I just want to. She's incredible.
1: Yeah. And and that was the thing about it is it was risky and also really tough to you know sort of show up and go okay mm. how do we sh- how do we do a show about racism, homophobia, and discrimination. Like, where are the people who are going to come out and say that they feel this way? Yeah. And so it was a big challenge in terms of figuring out how to tell that story. But then what was interesting is that we started showing up at places, and people were, you know, yelling out, call the KKK, and... (laughs) You know, turns out there was no problem finding yeah, so, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, wow. people are not too shy in those areas about speaking out against them. And yeah, they were. General. I
0: remember even in the first episodes, they were holding signs and like, ta- you know, yeah. ta- um, taunting them,
1: "Go home." Oh, they like so, people in the parade were. Well, first of all, yeah, we got the blocked point. from the parade. The cops like, horrible. Was it for, Alabama? Yeah, yeah, Mobile. Yeah. Ugh. So they like you know stopped us from coming in, and so the prancing ladies just. Kept, they marched outside of the parade anyway, people throwing things at them. And uh, it was definitely one of the more life-changing producing moments um, that I've gone through because it was, you know, it was different. It was unique, and but it was also making, it was important. That's what it felt like. You yeah, know, like,
0: and I think it's hard to find those projects that you actually feel are making. us. So I think yeah, more yeah. now, which is awesome because of the trends in our industry, but, yeah. now. but it's... I always say that's the home run like when it's entertaining, you're having fun producing it and you're actually making some type of Im- impact. You've yeah. like checked all the boxes. Definitely. You know?
2: Well, I've heard you talk about, you know, that that people, the revelation that people are more interested in seeing something unfold slowly mm-hmm. and that that recognition of the attention span
1: is, <laughs> right. right? It's
2: really interesting. I mean, I don't I don't do a lot of true crime stuff, but it's it definitely applies to other other aspects of things I'm interested in exploring. There's some docu-soap content that I'm starting to pitch now where it, you know, it starts with that question of, like, well, how does that work? And there's so much unpeeling there. So I'm excited that there's now that appetite.
0: Well, think about, I mean, not to go too deep on it because we got to wrap up, but, like, that makes sense because think about, I don't know about you guys, but, like, for me, you know, I would sit in college with my girlfriends after lunch for two hours. I don't know what we were talking about. Probably the same thing over and over every day, but hours and hours would go by, and I don't even know what we talked about. So mm-hmm. to me, that's why The Real Housewives works. That's why all of these, you know, because we want to see the same thing being dissected 17 different ways by all these different people. Like, you can't get enough of, and I don't know if that's a female thing, because I think that there's obviously, it does skew more female, these true crime, yeah. um, you know, housewife docu soaps and those kind of things. But... um. We like getting into it. Like We like getting into the weeds, you know.
2: (laughs) This will seem like a left turn, but it was part of what I loved about People's Couch. Yeah. It's so funny because that's a show. Yeah. Where you talk about, like, having all of the pieces of a puzzle. Like, that's a show where it's like we have, you know, such a shooting ratio. Hundreds of hours of footage to get down to our one, like, our 42-minute show and eight families watching a show at its... You know, 42-minute length, sometimes pausing to go eat stuff. Right. But the fun of watching how five different families watch and react to The Bachelor versus how they watch and react to Drunk History or a Super Bowl performance. That's so interesting. That microcosm of America and what people get really worked up about Um, That was a really, it was a really satisfying show for that reason and to get to, like, live with those people.
0: That's a great point. I think that is more of a social experiment than I even realized now that you say it that way. Right.
2: Right. And I watched a lot of reality TV. Yeah, I bet.
0: (laughs) Do you guys watch any reality now that you're so immersed? Like, do you, you, does it just
1: feel like work? I try to just to keep you know, right. abreast of what's going yeah. on. But no, it's tough for me because I just become critical of it. Right. And I sit there and it's annoying for anyone who's watching it with me. I'm like, look at that interview. Like, right. that's That's a Frankenbite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I do think that shows are coming out now a lot more than I'm interested in. And, yeah. you know, it, it's it's growing. Like, I, I think and back to the point of just doing shows that, that we love and that also the rest of the, you know audiences in this country love is it, it's kind of coming together a little bit more than it used to i think
2: yeah. yeah i dip in and out of shows um hunted is the show right now that i'm obsessed with because i just i love i love the way it looks i love that they cracked how to do it like my company I just,
0: consulted on that i have to give a shout out to I, xg
2: I I get a crush on good production. Like I get excited yeah. about when a when a show's better than it needed to be. Um, and I just I love that that show has such a distinct look and that you know Control Center looks like The Fugitive, it but does. then the you know there's parts that look like yes. Naked and Afraid, and then there's yeah. parts that look like Cops and right. Dog the Bounty Hunter. But it's <laughs> you the way it. the story is unfolding. The way the stories are unfolding is really smart, and the way they solved the questions of like, what if everyone gets caught on the fifth day? Like, okay, we'll roll out new stories each week. Mm-hmm. And it's ambitious. And, and, it's a very ambitious show. That's, yeah, it's impressive. It is, is. Like, you're obsessed with Shark Tank. Oh my but my And Shark Tank. You can't start that now, Leah. <laughs> but, but Deadliest Catch is like, like, I always go like, how I are these even show. in the same category? Because like, yeah. Deadliest Catch, like, people are like lashing themselves to the mast right. to produce a show mm-hmm. versus a show that's like shot in the comfort of a studio and everyone gets to wear yeah, the same right.
1: clothing. You just yeah. kinda, like... Okay, well, Deadliest Deadliest Catch Catch was my first producing job. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and uh, I remember being completely blown away because, and I didn't know, I thought all reality shows were (laughs) like this, you know, and I... Went out to Alaska, and, you know, I, I remember I was actually running to get a shot and fell in a crab hole. Oh, my um, God. And then I had to buy the whole crew a case of beer.
0: <laughs> you earned your stripes. Yeah, exactly. Your Alaska yeah. reality stripes. But then
1: what was great is that after that, I'm like, oh, everything else is, you know, yeah. it's a breeze. I'm not getting frostbite. I'm yeah, not, exactly. You know? <laughs> not
0: running into crab holes. Yeah. That, that's, everyone should start their careers there. Yep. Well, this has been so incredible. I feel like I could speak to you guys for 10 more hours, but, um We're you just going to hang out after you Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Just keep talking because we'll continue over drinks. But thank you both for being here. I really, really appreciate it. Thank
1: you. Thank you.